Millennials and Generation Z are the least churched generation of Americans in history. And at a time when we need it most, it seems like Christianity is walking away from evangelism. you guys. Thanks so much for joining me. My name is Eric Hoven. I'm the president of Creation Today, and I'm just so glad you're you're here to talk with me about evangelism. You're going to love the guest we have. Uh, we come to you guys each Monday night live with conversations that we think help grow your Christian faith. We want to take stumbling blocks that are in your life and turn those into stepping stones on your journey to know Christ more. Uh, really excited about tonight's conversation because Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, when he was alive, he said less than 2% of Christians actively share their faith. When we look at the Great Commission and, and, uh, and what God told us to do, Matthew 28, he's getting ready to be done. He's about to leave and he tells his disciples, he says, hey, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. What should you do? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And I just go, God gave a really clear command to go evangelize the world, and yet it seems like evangelism has turned into a dirty word among Christianity today. I want to have this discussion, uh, and I'm so glad that I'm getting the opportunity to talk to uh, the president of Living Waters. His name is Emil Zwayne, and he has been doing evangelism for a number of years, has books, videos. Uh, if you follow him on uh, YouTube or Instagram or follow Living Waters or Way of the Master, you've seen what they do when it comes to evangelism, and it really is beautiful. Emil, thanks for joining me today. Emil, who's that? Uh, easy. Easy. <laughs> Only my enemies call me Emil, Mr. Hovind. <laughs> hey, man. Mr. Easy. So and uh, I, this would not be a proper interview without me passing on my greetings from the legendary Kiwi, Ray Comfort. So, Ray Comfort. Well, Hello there, Eric. Now, <laughs> get out there and preach the gospel. <laughs> What else would you expect from Ray Comfort? You've had a few years to figure that voice out, and you've done just a fine job, that's for sure. It haunts me. It haunts me, man. I believe it. Wow. <laughs> what, what haunts me is how dedicated and how incredibly uh, focused he is on the gospel. And I'm like, man, I mean, I'm trying, but I can't I can't quite get that focused, and I want to be. It's, it's incredible what, what the founder of Living Waters, what you guys started right there in the legend that he's leaving. You know, it's amazing, Eric, about Ray, and uh, you know this, you know, he's been my father-in-law now for 25 years. And before I met him, uh, like you and many others, I, I, I was impacted by his ministry, looked up to him. He was one of my heroes. Um, but, you know, then he became a friend and then my father-in-law. And oftentimes with people that are famous or, or you know, really influential, sometimes uh, after we get to know them, we get a little bit disillusioned because, you know, we typically build people up and then we realize they're not all we thought they were cracked up to be. But with Ray, it's been the exact opposite, man. You know, my father-in-law for 25 years, uh, what you see is what you get. Honestly, and I say this before the Lord, I don't know that I've ever seen a day uh, when Ray Comfort has had uh, an off day when it comes to evangelism. Uh, he, he's just one of those 
rare individuals that's born maybe once every hundred years that God uses to impact the world, but he's a real deal. And I think that's the most inspirational thing. You know, most of the things we do as a ministry are birthed out of Ray just getting a genuine desire to give something out to someone. Like, oh, I have this idea. It's going to be a great track. I want to give it out to the lost. So we produce it. Ray gives it out, and then we make it available, you know? It's, it's really refreshing. How many different tracks? And I mean, have you guys, do you guys have like a list of we've got, we've come up with this many ideas so far, or this many books so far. You have any idea how many different gospel tracks? By the way, if you're new to Living Waters, you've got or to, to Emil and Living Waters and Ray Comfort, you have to go check out, first of all, their YouTube channel, uh, Living Waters, uh, their website, livingwaters.com, uh, their bookstore. They're, they're, I use their tracks all the time. I love Living Waters gospel tracks. You have, a, you have any idea how many you guys have come up with? Bro, how can anyone keep track of what Ray Comfort produces? <laughs> I mean, the guy's written like a thousand books, you know, not far off, definitely over a hundred. Uh, and, you know, there have been so many tracks over the years, a um, few hundred probably over the course of years, tracks that have come and gone. But we have a massive selection. Uh, like you said, if people go to livingwaters.com, they can check out what we have. And the cool thing about the tracks uh, is that they're unique. You know, we have track, yeah. we have one track, you know, the wallet track, people steal it. They try to steal it. They'll they'll see it in public. They'll kick it off somewhere. They'll put a you know a suitcase on top of it to try to hide it and steal it. We've got of course a million dollar bill tracks that that's our biggest seller, and uh, so many other IQ card tracks and uh, you know one liner tracks and just a whole array of tracks. So people can check them out there. And what's cool again is people enjoy taking them. And they'll often share them with others. Our curved illusion track, and and uh, so on and so forth. So yeah. I teach a. I teach a college class out in Wyoming, and it's going through a, a creation and evangelism and apologetics, but using it for evangelism. And we order every student one of your sample packs that has just a huge variety of all these different tracks, and they get to read them all, look at them all, and then we go out on the street and we try these things, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. But that really gets to the conversation I want to have with you tonight, which is, why does it seem like evangelism has become the dirty word. Relationship is the new word. Evangelism is the dirty word. And it just seems like the church is going, well, let's not be so serious about evangelism. Let's be really serious about relationships. Yeah. You know, uh, it's the, it's the path of least resistance. Whenever it comes to doing anything, I think as people naturally speaking, that's going to involve confrontation or uh, any sense of nervousness or anxiety or fear, naturally we want to run away from it. Now, as you know, Eric, one of the biggest fears that people have is a public speaking of any kind, especially when it comes to people they don't know or strangers. And so then you couple that with a message that is confronting people with their sin and talking to them about a God that they can't see with their naked eye, they can't hear audibly, Uh, and a world that's constantly mocking Christianity more and more, and a church that's conforming to the world, seeking the world's approval rather than seeking to love the world with the truth. You take all of that, mix it up together, and you're going to get people doing anything they can to find any other route but the route that Scripture calls us to, and that's to, as you shared in the Great Commission, to, to preach the gospel, to proclaim it, to make it known to people. So that's what it is. It's that, that fear that we all experience. 
I'm not speaking as one who's saying, hey, I'm above that. Far, far from that. In fact, Ray Comfort, he's been preaching the gospel for three, four hundred years, and the guy still deals with that nervousness, fear, and anxiety. Uh, but, you know, there's something greater at stake and why it is that the church should be proclaiming gospel. Well, I I recognize, I, I, I see that, and I see all these different influences. You're right, the, the I didn't even think about that. The fear of public speaking is like people would rather die than speak in public, and that coupled with the message and all these things. So, so what exactly is evangelism then, and should we be scared of it? Um, and I had a commenter write, um, knowledge puffs up while love builds up evangelism is basically not building people up, not loving them. It's telling they're nothing but a sinner and you're not helping. Well, I'm sure plenty of people have done evangelism wrong. Uh, there is, There are good ways and bad ways to do a lot of different things. So can you, can you equip us uh, this week with why we need to evangelize, how we can evangelize? I'm sure there's a lot of different methods and building a relationship is one of the methods. I just... It's just not the only one. It doesn't mean, you know, wait three or four years to finally get around to having a conversation about the gospel. Was like, can, can you walk through our calling to go into all the world? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Ray very, very, very strongly believes in friendship evangelism. And, uh, you know, as he often says, he builds a friendship with someone over the course of 30 seconds and then he shares <laughs> the gospel with them, you know, um, I think, again, that that has become sort of the uh, escape route from from doing what the Lord has called us to do. And, and I say all of this in compassion, like for those that are listening and watching right now, uh, it's not a, an issue of like, look at you people out there not evangelizing and preaching the gospel. Not at all. Uh, I understand it on a personal level because uh, I, I, too, deal with with those same elements that try to deter me from preaching the gospel and proclaiming Christ. But evangelism, to answer your question, Eric, is it's the proclamation of the good news. I can get into the, the Greek and get all sophisticated, but we don't need that. I mean, biblically speaking, evangelism interacts with the proclamation of the good news, the gospel, which 1 Corinthians 15 tells us is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through which people can be saved. And we who have been saved through the gospel are called to proclaim that same gospel to people. Again, the Great Commission, Mark 16, Matthew 28, where Jesus called us to go into all the world, preach the gospel, to go and make disciples. And so uh, a Christian is one who does that. So I have a lot to say on that. If you want me to jump into that now or if you, you know, have more questions for me. Dude, man, bring it on, man. I, well, I was actually wondering because... Uh, you, you, you were known to be a rapper. Can you rap this entire message? Can you just like rap the whole time here? No, hey, uh, Emil uh, Easy, my friend Easy, used to be a uh, used to be a rapper, which I think is just really cool because two, when two worlds like this collide, I grew up in the independent fundamental home that. That was no, no, man. Rhyming <laughs> words, you know, you got to make sure they're t- so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yo, what's up? Yo, yo, yo. See, it's hard for people to imagine. But yeah, I used to throw it down back in the day. Uh, but basically, you know, I was enslaved. Now I'm saying gratefully filled with love at a time. I hatefully walked around a frown. I lived by a lean. Was lost, but now I found. So I'm smiley. See, joyously I noisily make known that Christ who died and rose again. Who showed abroad the Son of God. Beat our shot with the gospel of peace. If you love, I'm not. But don't not often get caught off God. Because if you do, then you might get cut off hard. Woo! I'm gonna start the beat. Only for you, Eric Hovind. Dude. 
I gotta rewind that. I gotta rewind that and play it in slow mo so I can hear every syllable. I I can't speak that. My my brain and my mouth can't can't communicate that quickly yeah, together. I was trained by the Micro Machines guy from back in the eighties. You know. <laughs> yeah. Inspiration. Anyway, uh, yeah. So the, there you have it. The gospel wrapped up in a quick little wrap, but. Yeah, you know, here's the thing, Eric. Um, I think that, I think you realize this and, and the people watching realize this. We're living in a world that is full of people who are radically infatuated and obsessed with the theme of purpose. Mm. Right? I mean, everywhere you look, people are talking about purpose. In fact, if, if you were to do a Google search on the biggest buzzwords of the 21st century, I would be surprised if you were to discover that purpose would be at the very top of the list. Right. You're hard pressed to watch a movie or a television program to listen to the radio, to read a book, to uh, go to a conference, to even walk into a church and not hear the theme of purpose addressed to one degree or another. Purpose, purpose. Pur Everyone wants, wants to know what their purpose is in life. And that's not without merit, because the God we serve is not a whimsical, capricious God. He's a God of purpose. And he's designed us as people to have purpose in life and to fulfill that purpose. Now, the tragedy is, is while there are more answers to the question, what is the purpose of man, than there are even people asking it, most of the answers that are given have absolutely nothing to do with what the purpose of man is in keeping with what the designer of man's purpose has said that it is. And so that's what I want to touch on uh, in the brief time we have together is what is the purpose of man? We'll hone in on, on one specific element of it as we discover that. And then and then open that up. But but before I, I share what that specific biblical purpose of man is, I want everyone listening to mark that it is very, 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 very simple. Nothing complicated about it. The purpose of man is very simple. And here it is. The purpose of man is to know his maker, be known by his maker and make his maker known. So that others may know his maker as their maker, be known by his maker as their maker, and make the maker of him who made his maker known to them as their maker, known as the maker of others. So that others may know the maker of him who made his maker known as the maker of the ones who made the maker of the one who made his maker known to them as their maker, known as their maker, as their maker, and that they may also make him known to others who will in turn know him, be known by him, and in multiplicity to the degree of infinitude, make him known. Simple. That... <laughs> I was thinking that I got know his maker and... <laughs> And I think I I'll, I'll, writing, I'm like, all right, this is going to be real fun for Eric here. I, I was like, I got to stop writing right there, man. Uh, yeah. I thought you, you yeah. had me at the simplicity of it. Know his maker, uh, be known by his maker and make his maker known. That's so it. So that. And, yeah. And then as you saw by that ridiculous illustration, Eric, we as people have a way of complicating the simple. Right. And then, <laughs> and, and so, but that's what it is. Purpose of man is simple. It's to know his maker, be known by his maker, and make his maker known. Now, as Christians, we typically don't have a problem with this, the first two parts of that purpose statement. First, you know, wow, to know our maker? I mean, to be able to say we know the God of all creation, the one who spoke and the universe leapt into existence, who flung every star and planet into space spinning in their orbits, the one who uh, fashioned and formed every grain of sand that's ever found on any desert landscape or mountaintop, every snowflake that's ever fallen to the earth. I mean, wow, I know him, the one who dwells in unapproachable light, whom heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain. Like, I know him? 
whom to know is life eternal. We don't have a problem with that. And we don't have a problem with the second part of that purpose statement, not only to know our maker, but to be known by our maker. Not only does God know me, but not only do I know God, but he actually knows me. You know, as people, it's one thing to brag and boast about significant people we know. But if we <laughs> saw those people in public and they actually acknowledged us and knew our name, it feels pretty cool. Yeah, hey, how you doing there, Eric Hovind? And, you know, hey, they actually, they do know that person. Wow. So it's cool to be able to say God knows me. He knows my sitting down and my uprising. He knows me by name. He knows the numbers of hair on my head. He knew me because he knit me together in my mother's womb. I'll, I'll never have to hear him say those dreadful words in, in Matthew 7. Depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. He knows me. and He knows me intimately. He knows me forever. So no problem. Yeah. I know my maker and I'm known by my maker. But if we're honest with ourselves, it's that third part of that purpose statement that we have a hard time with to make our maker known. And, you know, if you were to talk to most Christians and ask them, are they nervous, anxious, fearful at the thought of walking up to a perfect stranger and telling them they violated the law of a holy God, that they're in danger of being judged and cast into the lake of fire for all eternity? that they need to repent of their sin and then now the gospel place their faith in this glorious savior who came, died on the cross, rose again three days later and will forgive them and wash their sins away. When asked how many people would be nervous at that thought, you know, every hand typically goes up. You may have a one or two liars in the room, <laughs> but most people are honest about that. I, I raise my hand, Ray Comfort raises his hand. I know Eric, you raise your hand, yeah. right? There is that sense. And so yet, you know, if we ask ourselves, wouldn't we rather do anything else but that, of course, wouldn't we rather, you know, go to a church service, listen to a sermon, worship the Lord, pray, go to a men's conference, a women's conference, have a church potluck? Of course. And yet, if you think about it, all of those things are possible for us to do because at one time or another, someone cared enough to share the gospel with us. And so the, the doorway to all the glories of our Christian faith have been open to us because someone cared enough to preach the gospel to us. And again, like I'm saying, I understand fear. I, I had a dear friend who, who uh, used to be in law enforcement. This guy is like a man's man. When, when this guy would talk, I mean, the room, which most of the earthquakes in California were caused by this guy's voice. <laughs> His mustache was so big, it had its own zip code there. Okay. <laughs> and this guy said, listen, on any given day, I would rather be in an alleyway with two thugs aiming their guns at my head than to sometimes go up and share the gospel with a little wow. lady. Okay. And, and I can relate to that. You can relate to that. So I'm saying this, friends, to let you know that you're not alone. But the thing you have to understand is that you have been called by God as your purpose, as a Christian, not only to know him, not only to be known by him, but also to make him known. And one of the most important things is for you to understand God's design for you in that regard. Because if you're not fulfilling that part of your purpose as a believer, then you're missing the mark. And you're not really in a place where you are maximizing your effectiveness for God's glory in, in light of what he's called you to do. So we need to recognize that we were created to glorify God by bringing him pleasure through obedience to our entire purpose as Christians. 
to know him, to be known by him, and to make him known. And there's that, what is it, nine-letter felt word in Christianity, obedience? Oh, people <laughs> become the O word, bro. What do you think you're doing? No, obedience. Absolutely. Obedience is, is the way that we demonstrate we love the Lord. Jesus talked about that, right? If you obey me, keep, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's he who loves me that, that keeps my commandments. Obedience is interrelated with our demonstration of love toward God. And First John talks about that. And this is love that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's a glad obedience to all that God has called us to do. So what about the... What about the Christian that says, well, I, I thought that was like a, that was one of those spiritual gifts and I just don't have that one. You know, that's, that's really not me. That's a, you know, I, my job is to be nice, build a relationship, invite them to church. Somebody else's job is to share the gospel with them. I, I you know, I, I, my, my job is to, to, to throw the food in the water and hope somebody else has a hook in there to catch, to catch the fish. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up. Because that's often the excuse. It's not my gift. Um, I, uh, I can't. I'm, that's just not what I'm gifted to do. And sometimes people will cite uh, Ephesians 4, 7 through 16, where, where Paul's listing out some of the different gifts within the church. But here's where, here's where they stop. And he himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. They go, ha ha, ha that's not me. But they forget to read the next verse for the equipping of the saints for <laughs> the work of ministry. So evangelists primarily, uh, of course, they're called to proclaim the gospel. But one of their primary roles is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Again, when, when I think like prime evangelist, I think Ray Comfort, because, of course, Ray Comfort proclaims the gospel, but he exists to equip the church for the work of ministry. When God gave the Great Commission through Christ, obviously he was speaking to, you know, these apostles who were limited men who, of course, couldn't take the, the gospel out to all. This takes the church, the people of God. And on top of that, like, honestly, as believers, just from a, from a, a compassion standpoint, right, do we really want to try to make a case that God has not called us to care enough about people to tell them how they can be saved from hell when we know how that can be done? Wow. I mean, if some if, if a child is drowning in a swimming pool and you see that child and you're there, do you really stop and say, you know what, I, I, I'm not trained to be a lifeguard. Sure, I know how to swim. Sure, I can jump in there and pull that child out. But But my job is not a lifeguard, that's not really my skill set. So I, I'm not going to do it. Wow. Like you jump in that water and you save that child. And I think that's the problem. It's our fears are so intense. Sometimes we just want to do anything we can to get out of that. But And there's even laws. I mean, to your, to your point there, there's even law, human laws established to say, if you see somebody in need, you do have a responsibility to help, you know, if you're yeah, capable fact, of helping. In fact, there's, there's a specific term for, for, for that, seeing someone in need and not doing it, it's called depraved indifference. Wow. Man, that gives me the chills as I say that. Whew, the world uses that term, depraved indifference. It's not just indifference, ah, whatever. It's depraved. And it is depraved. Like we have the gospel. There are people around us that are perishing. And we've been saved. We're enjoying the, the, 
the, the glories of salvation. And we're going to come up with an excuse of, nah, that's not my gifting. That's not my calling. Uh, when, when we have, I mean, do we believe the gospel? Do we believe the realities of scripture that people are headed to hell? If they don't repent by serving Christ. And so, so yeah, so, so I, I want to look at a passage that I think drives this all home for us. Are we good? Or do you need to pause right now, Eric? I just want to make sure. Well, I was going to say, uh, Facebook and YouTube in, in just a few minutes, I'll let you start the passage, but then just a few minutes after this, uh, he's going to go into, Emil's going to just got a great challenge for us. And unfortunately I'm going to have to kick you guys off here in about three or four minutes. So let's go through this passage. Then we'll say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube and let's continue this conversation. Uh, really get in, getting into some of the meat and the how-tos. Okay, what does it look like? Give us some practical, you know, I mean, I, I get it, build relationships, but I think there's a lot more practical tools that, that Christians could use, and I, I want to be able to get into those. So let's open up the passage. I want, I want everybody to hear that, and then I want to share a couple things before we have to let them go. Yeah, so this is uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, beginning in verse 18. Paul says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, Eric, one of my favorite dynamics in life is something called paradigm shift. Paradigm shift is indicative of having had a certain perspective on something, then you get new information, and suddenly your entire perspective shifts. You heard me share this when we did the Paradise a Lost Q&A panel, but for the benefit of the uh, viewers here, I want to share it now. You know, there's a, a good friend of our ministry who told us a story uh, about his brother who years ago was taken by a group of masked men with knives, pushed into the back room of a building, knocked out, then they, they ripped open his chest and tore out his heart. And the thing about it is there were people outside that room who knew what was going on and could have intervened, but chose to do absolutely nothing about it. Now, let me give you all more information. That group of masked men were heart surgeons. The knives were scalpels. They pushed him on a gurney. The back room of that building was an operating room in a hospital. They knocked him out with anesthesia. They ripped his chest open surgically. They tore out his heart because it was a bad heart and needed to be replaced with a good one. And no one outside that room, family and friends, did anything about it because this was a wonderful thing that was going to save his life. You, my friends, have just experienced mass paradigm shift. What was in one moment a gruesome murder scene in your mind, undoubtedly, with just a little bit of information, instantly became a life-saving mission. And this passage here, 2 Corinthians 5, is a paradigm shift type passage that I think I'm going to get into on the other side of this, as you might be ready now to... Yeah, we do need to go. But before we do, uh, th this this passage is, I can't wait for you to just unpackage this for us. But um, for, for those of you on Facebook and YouTube, I recognize, you know, there's some of you watching that you're not uh, yet a believer in Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't understand why people evangelize. What What's the point of sharing this gospel? Easy, would you give them a 60 second understanding or some simple presentation of the Absolutely. gospel? Yeah. Before the gospel, I'll give you the bad news. The bad news is that we have all sinned against a holy and righteous God. 
It began in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate of it. Death entered humanity. Since then, we've all been born with the sin nature, and we demonstrate that by our sinful actions. Sin is violation of God's law. All you have to do is look into the mirror of God's law to see that you're in big trouble with God. If you've ever so much as told one lie, in God's sight, you're a liar. If you've ever taken anything that didn't belong to you, God would judge you as a thief. If you've looked with lust, you're guilty of adultery. The Bible even equates unjust anger or hatred in our heart with murder. And it says if you've sinned in one point of God's law, you're guilty of the whole thing. And the punishment for your sin is a lake of fire, hell for all of eternity, because that's how holy God is. He's an eternal God that you've sinned against. So it requires an eternal punishment to satisfy eternal justice. And here comes the gospel. Even though you violated the law of this holy God, Christ Jesus incarnated as a man, walked this earth 2,000 years ago, lived the perfect life you could not live, kept the law perfectly in the place of sinners, then went to the cross and bore the wrath and judgment of God in the place of sinners as a substitute, so that if we repent, place our faith in his death and resurrection and receive that free gift of everlasting life, God will wash our sins away and grant us the gift of everlasting life. So I hope if you're watching today and you're hearing this, you would turn from your own good works and self-righteousness, turn toward Christ and receive what he did so that you might be saved. That is a beautiful summary of the bad news and the gospel, literally the good news. Gospel means good news, the bad news and the good news. And if you've never heard that, you really need to hear that. If you want to go through that again, man, there's, they've, uh, Living Waters has put together a website, needgod.com, needgod.com. We'll throw that in the chat and uh, or one of you watching, please throw that in the chat for somebody to click on. Nothing more important than understanding your need for your savior. Hey, Christians out there, I say this all the time when I have guests on and I love their organization, I love their ministry. Uh, Living Waters is another nonprofit ministry that they are only able to do what they do based on people saying, man, I appreciate you doing what you do. I want to help. And so they take donations, tax deductible donations and say, hey, thank you. We'll go do more. We'll produce more, equip more people, equip more churches. And uh, if, you've, if, if you've not yet taken a part of your giving budget and said, I want to actually allocate some of it to ministry, to specifically evangelism outreach, let me encourage you to go to livingwaters.com, click on their donate button. And I'm telling you, be a monthly giver. Don't just not a one-time little tip. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Get involved and donate monthly to what they are doing. They are equipping millions of people around the world with this truth so they can overcome their fear, have courage, overcome their fear, and go share the gospel. Easy, how many, about how many views does your YouTube channel have right now? Well, we're, we're getting close to uh, uh, a million subscribers, which is just wow. crazy to say for a Christian channel. We're, we're, we're over 170 million views now, and it's just such a blessing to be able to, to have that outlet to inspire and equip Christians to fulfill the Great Commission and to get the gospel out there as well. Yeah. So take that. You guys always have great ideas. Love what you do. So Facebook and YouTube, thank you so much. By the way, next week, we're going to have an amazing conversation. I'm going to be at Mount St. Helens, and we're going to be talking about geology's whistleblower. Mount St. Helens is going to tell all, baby. So I cannot wait for that conversation. Uh, if you don't come over to Creation today for the rest of this, 
Uh, be back with me next week live, same time. We'll go through Mount St. Helens with Steve Austin himself, a guy who spent more time on that mountain than I think just about anybody. So looking forward to that. Thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week. For those of you that are Creation members, I want to continue on because I'm telling you, this conversation around this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20 about being ambassadors is an incredibly, not only is it a powerful thought, it is a, um, you, you can learn to feel the weight, the gravity of this reality, of this truth. And I, I want you to experience that. So, Emil, yeah, let's, let's keep on going. Yeah, you call me Emil one more time. I'm out of here. Midstream, easy. I'm gone. <laughs> By the way, friends, EZ are my initials, Emil Zwayne. That's what that's all about. And I don't know why he's calling me Emil, but whatever. <laughs> all right, friends, let's pick it up. If you've ever wanted to have consistent growth into interesting conversations that help you understand the foundation of the Word of God and share that foundation with a lost world that desperately needs it, let me invite you to become a Creation Today member. My name is Eric Hovind. I'm the president of Creation Today. We have conversations each week with special guests on a variety of topics that are both intriguing and help us to dig down deeper into God's Word. So if you've ever wanted to truly grow in your faith, let me encourage you to spend a year with me. We'll get 52 sessions together and you'll get to be a Creation Today member that gets access not only to every live event we do and have an opportunity to have discussions with the guests, but also everything we've done in the past. It's a great way for you and your family to grow your faith.